Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello Cherries fans, strap yourselves in, welcome to Back of the Net, my name's Sam Davis, with me we've got the main man, Tom Jordan, and also a special guest this week, by the way of introduce yourself sir. I'm Keithy T, I'm the sexiest man in Milford. You are the sexiest yes. man in Milford. You're sexy, it's not so sexy on the pitch. <laughs> what a beautiful segue. Look, on this show, a lot of Brighton chat, Gary O'Neill debate and much more besides. We're recording this at the Basement Studio. It's located in the centre of Bournemouth. And they cater to musicians, producers, voice actors and podcasters who are looking for a professional environment to record, mix and master their studio. It offers a spacious live room with a separate vocal booth and a comfortable mixing room as well. And they provide a range of services and packages to aid in your creative endeavour. Plus, it plays host to the Wanna Be A Star party experience, which is perfect for kids' birthdays, adult birthdays and hen It's a new home for Back of the Net. Check them out at wannabeastar.co.uk. Now, Tom, there's been plenty of people mm. online on Twitter who are wondering who has won the Tube Map AFC Bournemouth history print. As I go on, did I win? Shall we do it now or should we tease them? We're going to tease it. We'll tease it, we'll tease it. We'll we'll do it later on in the show. So, on Saturday, a late header from Mitoma. It saw Brighton take all three points at the Amex. Gary O'Neill, he named a number of debutants in the lineup. We had the return of some players as well, including Chris Meppham and Marcus Sanessi as well. And Bournemouth, we, we put in a better performance. But once again, we were punished, not for the first time because of our own tactical wrongdoings. Tom, mm. it's becoming a bit of a habit, this, isn't it? <laughs> Just a little bit, mate. Uh, yeah, it was um same sort of stuff I felt to the Forest game in terms of everyone saying yeah, a lot of improvements, a um, little bit more of a counter-attacking threat, I guess. Uh, we did offer that. But um, again, moments, whether it's yeah, a bit of tactical naivety, decision-making in both boxes um, has cost us. And um, I think I said it in the fan comes after, we're saying it's improvements, but again, goalkeepers don't have to do anything. The goalkeepers never have to do anything against us. Um, I think I said before, and didn't I, that since the break, uh, since uh, Gaz got the job, I can remember David De Gea tipping an anti shot over the bar. Apart from that, I don't think any team needed a goalkeeper against us. And we're coming off at half-time going, that won a bad first half. And then you look at it and go, so what's happened in that first half? Well, we've had to make goal line clearances and the woodwork. Mm. And their goalie hadn't had to make a save. And that 
but we're happy because that's how bad it's been. But again, mate, didn't didn't look like scoring. Conceded a they won the set piece, but a cross and a header, and uh, results didn't go away either. So another another bad one. The league table leaves Bournemouth nineteenth, only a point off Leeds, albeit they do have two games in hand. Who's bomb? Saints. Mind the gap. <laughs> we've always got that. We've always got that. That's the only thing we've got at the moment. And yeah. also, we're two points off everyone else. So, doesn't feel like a good time to be a Bournemouth fan, Keefe. Uh, but it's not just the Brighton game, is it? There's wider discussions to be had on this podcast, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that we're going to be talking about Gary O'Neill. Uh, there's a lot of questions why he's still there. What's going to be happening in the future? Obviously, we've just had a good transfer window, but is that... Is that going to be uh, showing promise going forward with the coach we've got at the moment? So those are the sort of debates that we're having, uh, certainly online and, and within the fan base. And it's all rather unsettling because this season's proven to be quite a, a monumental season for change. New mm. owner. Mm. We thought we were going to have one manager and he went and now we've got Gary and it all feels very, very unsettling. Mm. Yeah. It does feel unsettling and it seems to be that the tide's turning a little bit, not within the fan base, I think that happened a number of weeks ago, but even the local media now, Keith, are starting to tweet and write articles which which question Gary O'Neill's appointment, why he's still manager, how he was appointed, what got them to the yeah. to that point as well. So when that happens, you sort of sense the writings on the wall. I just wonder whether Neil Blake and Foley and stuff, they're, they're shaking their graffiti can ready to do that writing. It's It's... It's a difficult time to read what's going on in the club and I think you always got to bear in mind there's a context behind this. Obviously we had Project Parker at the beginning and that went horrifically awry. So Gary has stepped in and I get the impression that he's trying to manage a process where there's potentially huge upheaval coming down the down the pike. Mm. So, you know, he's already had to say to a number of players who are now on loan, you're no longer part of our plans. Now, as a human being, that's really hard. Um, So he's got to do that. He's got to also bear in mind there's staff that are, you know, reliant on their jobs and are they going to be keeping their jobs going forward and all this sort of thing. So there's not of upheaval, I'm speculating, that's going on. But, But nonetheless... What he's doing on the pitch is showing rather similar to Scott Parker, ironically. Mm. So he, even with the new signings, you still get those same patterns of play and also his substitutions are either late or they look, why are you doing that? When I certainly think in during the game, um, taking Torore, although he was tiring, for Christie, sort of like with allowing them even more pressure yeah. on and their Brighton's game is all about pressure sitting camping in our in our half waiting for that chance one chance and uh, on another date they could have got three four yeah I think we'll go through the team lineups it was Neto Adam Smith Mepham Sanessi Zamora Watara Lerma Billing, Anthony Traore, Semenyo. And whilst we're doing the show, we're also going to place a few tweets on screen. So if you're watching on YouTube, you know what we're talking about. And we'll reference the names as well. And Aging Cherry was the first one to say, oh, Neto's got the armband. What's that about? Mm, yeah, interesting one. I um, yeah, don't really know what that says. I've seen that since he's just said he's a good leader. and that's. But it's more the fact that you're taking it off someone because we all know Smith's captain if mm. Kelly's not playing. Um. Only thing I can think of is maybe the language barrier with certain new signings and maybe he can translate things better. So why did um, Gary O'Neill say that? This is what Gary O'Neill told the Echo. Yeah, I think Neto is a leader. He's fantastic with all the players. He's a good guy. I like what he brings. It was just Neto that could lead the boys on Saturday. That's so vague. I would have quite liked the response to that answer to be, so does that mean Smith doesn't then? Yeah. because yeah. that's basically what you're saying but he wouldn't have said oh yeah that's what I'm saying so it would have been interesting to go oh you so Smith doesn't do that then uh, I don't really understand so yeah who knows I mean it didn't I don't think that was the indicator of the performance or result but um, yeah weird one I guess maybe with his experience in general and the sort of clubs he's been at and maybe you want to take a bit of that pressure off Smith who knows but um, yeah it was a it was a notable thing that we saw in the lineups that I didn't expect mm. in terms of the game itself we're not going to go over the chronological timeline Thank too you. much but you can <laughs> if you watch on YouTube see it on screen now in terms of what happened when 
But Tom, mm. we're seeing a story time and time again. It's rinse and repeat. It's basically the Forest game, but without the opposition gifting us an equaliser. Um, sorry, an opening goal. Yeah, uh, it's insanity. What we're seeing. You've said this before. Mm. The same thing week in week out. We expect different results. We get the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. It was um, from minute one. I thought. Yeah, we've probably got a bit more pace than we used to on the break because we haven't got kind of your Christy Kiefer Moores up there. We've got we've got um, players that are a bit more. Yeah, a bit more able to counter-attack appropriately, but game plan was the same, really. Um, soak it all up, they're going to have all the ball. Um, I've always seen, you know, just a broader point, obviously, Sean Dyche come in and got the win, obviously the first Everton game. And people are saying, you know, it's the style of football that you wouldn't want Dyche. Well, even against Arsenal, top of the league, that they won 1-0, they had more possession than we did in a defeat uh, to Brighton with 29% possession. Um, so we're not trying to do anything with the ball. We're trying to counter-attack. Um which I which makes a bit more sense now with the pace we've got. I thought some of the new lads done all right, but yeah, it was the same patterns as you say, mate. Um, Lerma was definitely sat deeper, and then you know Billin and, and Traore trying to get a little bit closer to Semenyo. But yeah, it, it, the, within five minutes, it was it was kind of same stuff as you say, mate. And unfortunately for us, I think Brighton. No disrespect to Forest because they earned the point against us, but Brighton are a better team. Mm. So you know it was only really going to go one way. Um, unless we're going to decide to actually test a goalkeeper. We're, I think I said on the fan cams that we win. If we've got a, we're always going to concede, in my opinion. We're always going to concede. So we've got to get two goals to win a football match. We're never getting two goals. No. We're never getting two. Our, our last two goals are two months apart. We're not getting two in one game at the way it's going. So I don't see how there's any... We all know that. So how are we trying to win a football match? We're not trying to win a football match. We're trying to get a point. Mm. We saw that with the change later on in the game. We're... We would have been absolutely delighted with a nil-nil draw. And speaking to Brighton fans, arguably their their worst, one of their worst performances of the season. And um, they had nearly eighty percent possession and won the game with a clean sheet. Mm. So um, yes, yeah, not great, mate. I'm getting tired and weary of talking about this stuff. But you sort of realise how low our bar is now and our tolerance level is because we're Keith. We're we're sort of looking at that performance and we're picking out things. Oh well, we are better. Mm. We are better. I mean, I think the the, the debutant Trari did did mm. really well. Mm. Watara threatened at times. Yeah. I think overall we look more balanced and we are creating more. But it's because we were creating so little previously yeah. that we're all happier. But really, we're still, you know, leagues above. Sorry, leagues below like yeah. everyone else that's doing so well. Yeah, that's the reality of where we are at the moment. We, when I look at the team, it's a hodgepodge of different ideas. Mm. Um, you've got. We we've got Keith Moore now. He's a, a big, strong target man. But we have players that go to the byline. We are inconsistent with our pressing. We seem to still have this habit of trying to knock it around at the back with no purpose. There's there's now dynamism um, and directness, and I think that's something that we'd be maybe building on going forward. We'll we'll wait and see, but. It is a mixture of all bits and pieces from the Eddie era, the Parker era, and now this new era. And how you gel that together is a is a big old ask. Mm. And even the most experienced managers, you have a look at Everton, they're a hodgepodge team. And that's, you know, even to organise basically is, is quite hard. And then we've got this language barrier on top of that. I mean, I don't know any elite club that, has usually you have a manager or people in the club that speak different languages. We've now obviously brought in um, Audrey Baldry into the club because he speaks French, and that's only because Suriki Dembele left. Yeah, because he uh, was uh, the one that could speak uh, French. Uh, speak French. So, and the only other person I think in the club that speaks uh, foreign languages is Richard Hughes. Mm. Well, he isn't going to be on the touchline at no. the moment. Yeah. So it's a hodgepodge of all different ideas that's accumulated over really about three or four seasons now, and and so you're not seeing a definite pattern and play. Are we a possession? Are we pressing and a high intensity? I don't know, and and that probably adds to even more frustration for the players and for the fans. There is a bit of a disconnect between the managerial eras, isn't there, Tom? We were just sat in the pub earlier working Mm. out the different signings that Scott Parker signed uh, to take us into the Premier League. Uh, What was our conclusion? Uh, We've got two at the club, um, Ryan Christie and Kiefer Moore. So I think we've got, I can't remember all of them, but you know... 
Woodman. Laird, Woodman, Camp Leif Davis, well. Campwell, Nyland, um, Lowe, Marcondes, Hill, uh, Dembele, yeah, uh, Nat Phillips. Yeah, there's loads of them. But um, <laughs> Christian Moore, the only two at the club, but they're not players that you'd expect to start anyway. Mm. So, um, yeah, great. That, that again just screams there's no plan there's no plan at all that was just to try and hopefully help us get over the line in January and chuck loads of money and wages at people like Nat Phillips and Todd Campwell for no for very short termism um, mm. no plan at all the only plan that we thought was there was that Parker was the was the going to be the figurehead and we were going to move like that and then um, obviously he lost his job so yeah and then again we've we've come and there's, there's no experience as Keith was alluding to there's no experience anywhere um in, in the dugout as you know I feel for people like Coops and Tommy who are yeah. doing a really good job um, and then they've just been bumped up ahead of schedule they're there with we bought in um, Jenkins didn't we from Liverpool's College Academy well, not enough learning time for everyone there's a, there, but there's no there's no one there with any experience Gary's got no one to turn to there's no one there with any sort no. of experience whatsoever um, forget the the players on the pitch that probably have a little bit of it to be fair we've got um, obviously we just said about Neto but yeah there's there's no real guidance there's no real direction and then you've seen all that and obviously given the job to to a guy that's never been a manager but then in January you chuck loads of money like we're a big club and mm. that we have that we're desperate to stay in the league well it just doesn't make any sense I think I mean loads of people have used loads of different analogies I think I went for um, buying a Ferrari for someone without a driving license mm. doesn't really make any sort of sense mm. we used to be a club that um, would get young hungry players that we had a top head coach in Eddie Howe that we would develop and now we're deciding to get players that are already apparently ready-made for loads of money and give them to someone that can't really develop and has got no experience in development. So and it's not a slight on Gary O'Neill, is it? He's just no, he's, he's just he's shouldn't been... be in there. He just shouldn't be in the job. Yeah. I mean, I've just literally seen, just briefly spoke about Everton. Um, Duncan Ferguson had a, a spell with Everton as interim manager, didn't he? And done really well. I think he was unbeaten, mm. but they obviously didn't give him the job because they're not stupid. Um, he went back to his coaching role, and now he's just taking his first managerial job, bottom of League One. Yeah, yeah. We've given Gary Neal a Premier League job with nearly 100 million quid in January. It's bonkers, absolutely bonkers. I don't really understand it. Um, but yeah, remains to be seen. It'll be um, yeah, it'll be interesting now from from week to week, just what what sound bites we hear and what stuff's coming out because it just none of it aligns. The January window and then what we're doing off the pitch, just none of it aligns. None of it makes any real sense. But from a just from a fan's point of view, it's I'm just forget all that. I'm just want to go to football to kind of like what I'm seeing. I am at it is so so boring. And all these conversations completely override the minutiae within the game against Brighton that we can talk about. I mean, mm. I know it's from the fan cams. You said it yourself. No one talked about the penalty claim. No, no one talked about VAR when chatting to Tiggs after the game because yes, they are significant when you look at it, but really, we're sort of clutching at, at straws. And there is a bigger picture here and. One of the key points within this bigger picture is the tactical changes that O'Neill makes in yeah. games. And one of the things he did was went from a flat back four to three at the back that was basically five at the back. And on my vlog, I can see them in a flat back five at times. And they're just inviting pressure on. Yeah. So when Brighton scored, it wasn't exactly a surprise, was no, it? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, Brighton are going to play a suffocating game anyway. That's what possession that's what controlled possession based football looks like and and they are a masterclass at it which is a long way off the rhetoric that we were getting last last season when we're just knocking around at the back they make penetrating runs they're always testing third man runs and all that sort of thing so eventually their patience will be rewarded but when you're inviting them on Mm. and not putting any pressure on the ball and just trying to play that low block that's meat and drink to a team like yeah. that. And so we were, as I say, I thought we were fortunate first half. The, you know, the Neto, I don't know if he panicked or what have you, but to criminally give the ball away. And fortunately, the lad's only just come in, so yeah. he he was a bit ring rusty. But had that been well bet, that'd be in the back of the goal. If it'd been Lalana, it'd be in the back or, or any of any anyone else. That's in, yeah, and and then and then the the collapse would invariably come. So, no, there it, it, it's panic, it's panic, it's again, and it's sort of a rinse and repeat. Also, of last season, it's trying to avoid losing a game, yeah. rather than going out and trying to win a game. Mm. And when you're like that, the mentality, the mindset, at least to me, 
says, well, we've already been beaten before we've even got on the pitch. We're setting up like scared rabbits. And, mm. and again, that, that you know, Gary's a symptom of all this. This is, this is something that's been coming for an awful long time. Uh, unfortunately, it's when you're in the Premier League. Don't forget, we couldn't even beat Peterborough last season mm. or Hull. Or, or or teams in the championship we struggled against. You're in the Premier League now. You're with the big boys, and they will punish you. And yeah. now we're being punished for, I think, as I say, lack of strategy, lack of thinking, mm. lack of planning at the top level. In the triad of the three people that need to be running it, the head coach, we have a CEO who's effectively a director of football. And also the technical director. So are they aligned? These are the questions that are now coming to the fore. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat about the hierarchy at AFC Bournemouth. I'm absolutely certain on this pod. And one of the things that I also want to talk about is O'Neill's views after the games when he talks to AFCB TV or the local press. And I quote: "It was a good performance. We should have had a penalty, but I don't want to mention it too much. I've complained a lot about us not being awarded stuff." What the boys showed today against a Brighton side flying high in the league is we gave them a really tough game. They had the ball for large spells, but on the chances, I thought we gave them a really good run. I mean, he says Brighton are flying. Yes, they are. But mm. in that individual match, they were poor. Mm. And it, it when he said that, it reminded me of this episode of Alan Partridge, where Alan was saying to his Ukrainian wife, Sonia, that prisons are horrible. And then she says to him, you're telling me that prisons are cushy. And he says, well, yeah, I was making a point about something else, though. Yeah. And that's what it strikes off. Like, Brighton, yeah, are flying. But in that match, and their fans will admit, they weren't that great. And they're teams that are there for the taking. But we don't take points from those teams. No, uh, we don't. And um, Brighton probably argue their best player this season has been McAllister they were without him um, and then they've obviously because of the thing with Caicedo at the moment he was obviously only on the bench as well um, who else said they were without they were without someone else I think Lallana oh yeah, yeah Lallana them. So, and Trossard's just gone as well yeah why is it that he mm. said that Brighton were flying only a few weeks ago he said that Fulham were struggling yet they yeah. were only they were, but they were next to each other in the table yeah he's not quite sure I think he's just getting himself in a bit of a hole. I mean, he knows Brian uh, Fulham aren't struggling. I think he just got himself in a bit of a bit of a muddle there. But yeah, it's um, it's concerning. I I I think I tweeted out. I didn't before I watched the press conference. I thought I don't need to because he'll say there's positives. He'll say the boys gave their all, and he'll say it was fine margins, and he'll moan about a few decisions that Wataro maybe it was a penalty. I don't. I, I'd be gutted if if our defender got. Yeah, he didn't really play the ball, but it's a little nudge, um, and causing loads of problems. I, I'd love him to tell me what problems we're causing when the goalkeeper didn't need to get up in the morning because we don't test the goalkeeper. He says this every time. Mm. If these are positive, then I'm fucking worried. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, as you say, they, they they weren't quite on it and we never looked like winning the game, in my opinion. Um, don't really, I just don't really get this kind of, all these positives. I mean, I remember saying it after Forest, everyone saying us, oh, we're playing against Forest at home and oh, we're not really creating anything. It's the same again. It's just, it's so dire and surely if you I, I understand Brighton are a possession based team and we set out to counter attack but they're still getting how many shots did they have they had loads of shots I can't remember what the actual stat mm. was mm. You know, I mean like 20 oh, they had so many shots so many chances with it the post the goal line clearances we're having 29% of the ball and then we're making changes to try and hang on and then we can't rectify that because we made all the subs the three different intervals so then at the end of the game you get into stoppage time we're 1-0 down we've got a back 5 with virtually five in front, we, we can't get forward. We can't do anything. Um, and I don't really get what the thinking was. And as Keith alluded to, the way they play and stuff, just bringing on another defender for Anthony, it's just inviting them on even more. Mm. You've got to defend from the front sometimes. And to stop them playing out from the back, you need to press them higher up, not just sit off even more and give them more room to manoeuvre. And you saw with Matoma, just find a little pocket and you know then get in. So... What's even more terrifying is the way we set up for defending set pieces. We've got nobody on the edge of the box mm. to close down. So you're just inviting a team that, that likes to score from outside the box. You've got Solly March, mm. who has a foot on him, and you're just inviting him in to just have a free run at it. Mm. And we set up... We're, we're not zonal marking. We're not really marking at all, apart from one or two doing man marking. It, that's terrifying. 
And uh, but when we do have opportunities, and you think with the scant opportunities we're going to have to score, set pieces are going to be a big thing. And we've got tall lads yeah. and big lads. Do we make anything out of it? How many times do you see that the ball doesn't get beyond the first man? Yeah. And this is basic stuff. So so we can't score an open play. We're offering no threat in in close play. We're all over a place and set pieces. And then, to end it all, we're bringing on substitutions to be defensively minded. And we're just inviting pressure on. And you, then you, this is this is the sort of form that relegation teams show. Not scoring, can't defend. Yeah. That's a recipe for... Thank you very much. We've had a nice time in the Premier League. See you later. Mm. So scrutiny now turns to, I suppose, when, but we'll come on to that, but why in the first place? I mean, uh, we can we can talk about this till the cows come home, but we'll never really understand how we can go from someone like Bielsa mm. to Gary O'Neill. It doesn't make sense. And we've had a lot of tweets that allude to this as well. Why would you appoint Gary O'Neill with no management experience at elite level? No manager experience at any level, it's not elite level. Yeah, he hasn't even managed. He's got. Didn't he just... have a stint at Bolton? Not as a manager, I don't think, did he? Unless you're a uh, coach or something, I'm not sure. But he's certainly not not been a manager apart from his kids' football team, I think maybe. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. We've we've spoke about this before, and I think it's just been uh, put more to the forefront because you see Everton are absolutely all over the place. Didn't sign anyone, but they got a proper manager and beat top of the league. So um, your frustration that you're conveying makes it look as though Gary's the, the the target of your wrath, but it's not, is it? No, not at all. He, should, he shouldn't the, be given the job. Yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't be given the job. Um, and w- once he's in it, it's, it's he can't turn it down, I guess. Um, but- Some murmurings that I've heard indicate that Blake and Hughes actually wanted to go for Foley. And it was... No, wanted to go for Bielsa. Sorry, yeah, yeah, wanted to go for... I think they wanted to go for Foley. Yeah. Um, yeah, wanted to go for Bielsa. Uh, but it I- was Foley that was impressed by Gary. And, and we've seen the sound bites. what, what uh, Foley says. I think he's a terrific coach. He's got a lot of upsides. Our football staff have helped him in terms of hiring some assistants and helped him learn and progress and all that kind of stuff. He did well to pick him up off the floor, those kind of quotes. And I d- surely... I don't um, I don't know, obviously. This is all... Yeah, I don't actually know. But um, I struggle to believe it just because um, before Foley come in, we appointed, obviously, hired Jason Tyndall um, from within. And then we just gave it a Woodgate for a bit. And then they initially were the ones that gave O'Neill the inter, um, interim manager's job. So yeah. I find it hard to then say they don't do what they always do. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, not, not 100% sure on that. But regardless, it's a it's a very, very poor decision. I wonder if uh, Keith and I have been speaking about it. I do wonder if they've got something planned for the summer and maybe a manager, whether it be Bielsa or someone else, was, was looking at coming in and said, you know, I don't mind what league we're in but I want to come in the summer. I don't want to come in now. Mm. So Gary Neal maybe is the full guy and is going to be here. And their plan was maybe he can keep us up. If he does, it doesn't matter. We're going to let him go at the end of the season. Um, I, do, I do wonder if, if it will become too toxic and we'll end up just having Cooper and Elphick to get in the season, to be honest. But I do wonder if there's maybe a, mm. a thought in place that we'll get someone in the summer. Look, I'm going to... Uh, this, this is being recorded on Monday afternoon mm. so this will be coming out Monday evening it looks like Jesse Marsh has been sacked wow. by Leeds according to an unofficial source I'm seeing it on a WhatsApp group here so if that's the case I mean we've got external pressures as well with Southampton doing so badly under Nathan Jones and the fans there no, uh, are certainly more toxic than we are and yeah they will they will be ruthless why why won't we be ruthless why you know why not I mean we were more ruthless under Max Deming yeah, there's no because there's no plan because they've they've thrown their eggs in the Bielsa basket. He didn't want the job now. Um, whether it remains to be seen, whether he want it at a different point, but he certainly didn't want it. And we didn't we didn't have anything else to think about. So we just gave it away nil because he beat Everton. Um, yeah, just don't. we had it was a weird season as well in the sense that because of the World Cup. We had a really good period where you had six weeks. We only had a couple of players going to the World Cup for Wales who were out pretty quickly. Could have had a new manager in come in and work with the group. Um, it was a unique season in that sense, but for whatever reason, we decided not to. And um, yeah, I don't think they know what to do. I don't think they know what to do now. Uh, they didn't expect it to go this bad, but it's just black and white. We've scored one goal since he's been given the job. We've got one point. 
we just lose every week and don't really have many shots. It's getting to a point where you are, we're either accepting relegation or, or we need to do something drastic. I just don't see it. Um, like you say, Leeds have got rid of their manager, who I can see why they're struggling. Uh, I watched them yesterday. They're, they're struggling. They deserve something out of the game, in my opinion. They're, at least mm. they're right to watch. Mm. They're right, they're watchable. Um, I'd much prefer that. But um, yeah, I felt like the. But you just know that Leeds are thinking, yeah, it might be all right to watch, but we need to stay up. So they've obviously made a change by the looks of it. Um, I thought Southampton might be first, but yeah. they'll be next. We we won't be next. So the two teams that we've lost to quite badly, 4-3 Leeds, Southampton 1-0 yeah. at home, are both looking to... Pull the trigger, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. It's, um, it's a difficult one because I think we have to cast the minds back when Foley was saying that. Actually, Gary was doing okay. Yeah. He did steal the ship, so he's only seeing what he's seeing. I think the lack of planning goes back a lot further than that. I yeah. think Project Parker has really stung the club. That I think they that that they thought this is the new Eddie. Mm. He's proven to have big shortcomings. Project, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a project. Yeah, yeah. Um, his profligacy in the two windows last season. We've just gone through. Almost all these players are gone, and yet when you tot up. The whole of what he's spending is the equivalent of what Burnley have spent getting 16 players in and and, and investing off pitch uh, in the championship. And they look as though they're ready for the Premier League. <coughs> they play Premier League football. Mm, yeah. um, so, and that has left them in, I think, in a, in a panic. And... Foley has made it quite clear, the footballing side, he, he's got enough on his plate with the Laurent thing and obviously he's trying to get things underway. He's got enough on his plate at the moment as well as babysitting two guys who he must have assumed they must know what they're doing. And I, I, I'm not here to slate them, but their decision-making and accountability, they weren't held to account, this be honest, by Max and during the latter end of Max's period, it drifted. And and now that drift is continuing. What I will say, however, is that Foley has come out and said we are not going to get relegated. Now, I work for American firms and I can only go by my own experience, but football clubs are like every other organisation. And my feeling is, is behind the scenes, the Americans are doing what they call fact-finding. They're making assessments on everyone from the tea lady and the boot boy all the way up to the top. And whoever it is, this international man of mystery who's in the stands, who is representing, is it Foley or is it the, the next gaffer? We don't know. Every single person in that club is now under maximum scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And come the, come what may, there is a kill list being sorted out mm-hmm. of people with P45s, yep. including Gary. And if the task is set, you have to stay up. And if you don't stay up, you're gone. What I don't yeah. understand though, Tom, is that mm. I thought that Foley and all that lot were interested in taking on the club when Parker was in charge. And surely Parker would have got wind of that. He wouldn't not know that information. Yet he's complaining like, I need help, I need help. Like, surely he could have just bided his time a little bit, knowing that help's just around the corner, as it turned out to be. Yeah, it is, it is odd, isn't it? You'd like to say, patience is a virtue. He was, uh, if he had waited a little bit longer, he might have got that time. Who so knows? So is there the communication between the different probably. layers in the club? Well, probably not. You don't really, I don't really know what the, you look at the kind of hierarchy and, and things like that, and you just, you can't really tell what, what anyone's doing and what's actually going on and who's in charge of what. It's, it feels a bit of a mess. It feels a bit muddly, um, <clears throat> for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's all very weird, and I agree totally with what Keith's saying, that I think, and you alluded to it too, Sam, that I think... They thought Parker was going to be the next, mm. you know, the next Eddie, if you like, and it was going to be this project. And and then when that didn't work out, there was no alternative and there was no direction after that. So they're all in a bit of a mess and don't know what to do. Um, but nice to see him absolutely loving it in Belgium, mate. Nil nil they drew yesterday. <laughs> um, their fans are not happy. <laughs> uh, so well, we're in limbo at the moment with this, uh, not knowing what's going on. And I mean, other clubs previously have put out like votes of confidence and stuff. I don't think that'll be happening with AFC Bournemouth. But one of the criticisms previously, historically, with AFC Bournemouth's managerial appointments is that they take so long. Hmm. Maybe, just maybe, they are queuing up candidates in the background ready to 
then put the corner flag <laughs> tweet up and then have a new name 24 hours later do you think maybe uh, maybe uh, i think I mean, that's my hope yeah i think i think my expectation is more that they're thinking of the summer um mm-hmm. i don't think there'll be a change now i really don't i don't know who would take the job now no. i don't know why you take the job if if your job is you need to keep us up otherwise it's under threat you ain't taking this job no. um because yeah you look at other clubs you you can't see how we're gonna i don't know what the odds are now but i think they're like one to five or something uh, for us to go down like with it we it does look that way, so it'd be difficult to get anyone in now. I think we missed a, a great window and a great opportunity to do that and now it's now it's kind of more thinking, you know, obviously I want to stay up, but um if we go down, we go down, so be it. I just wanna know that there is some sort of direction and, and planning going forward to right, if we do go down, what's the what's the plan? What how are we gonna rebuild? Uh, Keith mentioned it there, but Burnley got relegated and got one of the most fought after coaches who yeah. was doing doing well at, um in, in Belgium. Um, in Vincent Company, they've completely changed their style of football and their philosophy. They've allowed him to bring in the players that he wants and he yeah. knows, and they're going to absolutely storm that league. And they'll be back in the Premier League before you know it. We got promoted, so we went like that. They went like that, and look at the difference to what they've done behind the scenes. It's absolutely incredible. And we saw that first down when they played against us. It's yeah. chalk and cheese, yeah. and they got relegated and we got promoted. Um, so it's, it's it's worrying. It's 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 really worrying, and it's really hard to to stay upbeat to be honest mate um, really really difficult I think I said this before I was I always got grief for being Mr Positive I can't do it I can't do it I can't find anything in me because I'm going to these games and it was 11 minutes I worked out I looked at my phone it's 11 minutes while I looked at the time going is it time to go for a pint Yeah. because I can't watch yeah. it it's so dull it's so boring there's no there's no structure there's no plan it's just so cool up hope they don't score when they do have a little bit of try and do something and it's yeah it's just so dull and then everything behind the scenes is frustrating as well so it's we had that little pick up didn't we with the transfer window and don't get me wrong I think that we've brought in some good additions I think mm. Trevor in particular mm. just looks like a hell of a player but um, is that is that window just going to suddenly keep us up of course it isn't of the course de- it isn't the, the football day is all about every you know everything apart from the 90 minutes isn't 100%, it? Yeah. that's what I enjoy football for um, Steve Hensman he put out a, a sort of eight point tweet and he mentions a lot of things about being through the mill this year, the Parker saga, the yeah. 9-0, unfriendly VAR, uninspiring O'Neill, mad tactics, new ownership uncertainty, crucial injuries, cruel results as well. He says, from a motivational point of view, do you think we need more than just a new boss, elite level structure? Do we need that? Fundamentally, we need a complete rethink. Um, potentially, this is the biggest rebuild since John Bond. In 1972, 73, that's 50 years ago. And if Foley, and to be fair, he's followed through so far and it's in his interest to do that. Uh, he, he clearly sees that at the moment there is a club without a city. I mean, you go down Boscombe High Street, you wouldn't know there's a football team there. Maybe. That's how di- disconnected the club is from their community. And... I understand the temptation of fans to say we need to go out and spend money. Well, we're constrained by the revenue we generate. We're eleven thousand seat a stadium. We don't own our ground. We have a temporary stand. We're not generating the revenue to even compete hmm. at this level. Foley's recognised that, so and I think that's part of the reason why he's taken it on because he can build it in his own image. Whether it turns out or not. I don't know, but it sort of remains to be seen. But it needs, dare I say, professionalism in the club. I think we've bumbled along. Even under Eddie, we were make do amend quite a lot. And you get to season three and it starts to drop off because we just can't sustain just on TV money on, on its own. It sounds like a lot, £100 million or £110 million. You can now, in 2023, that's the cost of one player. Mm, We can't keep up that level. And a question was asked in a couple of podcasts ago. People seem to think we're Premier League, but in name only. Mm. We really have the structure of a League One, a lower League One club. We've grown too quickly on the pitch, but off it we just haven't. We we throw money on the pitch in the hope that will keep us up. Yeah, and then slowly build, but Uh, the relegations cost that. And... Try building a stadium in your Premier League. 
that's why Everton are potentially in a death spiral because they're trying to build a stadium. Mm. Arsenal had to forgo years mm. without trophies or anything. It was just enough to keep in the top four and Champions League. Spurs are the same. You try doing that and they're big, broad shoulders. We try doing that we'll be out of business. And Arsenal managed to uh, keep in that position because of one man, mainly yeah, Arsenal Arsene Wenger. Wenger. Yeah. Eddie Howe was the person that got us through the mm. deal at times And what well. did he say? We, 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 to sustain this club, we need to invest off the pitch. And we've not done that. We have tried to gamble on a Hail Mary coach that if you really looked at his record, he's a great player. Scott Parker, what he's done for England, and that's what people went for. They thought he's played for England, ergo he's great manager. Mm. But we've just seen three of them just thrown out, and 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 we've not the boring things like FFP and all that. Let's be honest: do the fan base know about those sort of things? Mm. They don't. So you consequently, it's almost like the fans. Are, it's it's a circular firing squad. Mm. We've got to go out and buy players. We've got to do this rather than actually do what Brighton, yeah, Brentford, Brentford and- Burnley, Luton, uh, Fulham have done it. They've just invested in the boring things. But those boring things accumulate to getting what you get on Saturday. We've going back to like kind of, you know, what Steve was saying there and, and what we're going into. It's it's that. Keith said it then, we're, we're acting, apart from just splashing cash on players, we're acting like a lower league club. The last decade, we've been in the top two leagues mm. and we've got nothing to show for it apart from splashing some money on players. We've, hang on, we've got another scoreboard, we've got automated turnstiles, oh, mate. And, um, um, yeah, and, it's... And, and, yeah, and it's, queuing outside your own... I, I don't know any yeah. sports club where you queue outside your own clubhouse, the 1910 bar, you have to queue in. I, I don't know any sports club that does that. It's yeah, it's 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 that sense of it's been it's been a decade of being in the top two leagues, but but we don't act like that at all. No. We're not we're not working with that off the pitch, regardless of players. And I think like Steve was getting to it there. There's there's no real. We don't know anything in terms of so off the pitch. You've got an inexperienced manager. You haven't got an assistant. Um, and everyone around him is all kind of inexperienced mm-hmm. and just, just come out of, right, he's doing that in the development squad, we'll take him, blah, blah. And then you go, have we got a psychologist? Have we got people doing that? We, I don't know what anyone does, really. It's just a, a group of people that a lot of them are legends of the football club, by the way, and I'm delighted to have them around. Mm. But there's no guidance. I, I don't, who's guiding these people? When they're in training and they've got all these players that cost 20, 30 million quid, who's guiding them? Are you telling me that you know, all these people that have got no Premier League experience are the ones that are supposed to be getting us out of this mess. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. More importantly than that, it's shown in players. We've got three players are going to be out of contract at the end of the summer. Jefferson Lerma, Jordan Zamora, Jayden Anthony. Now, if they weren't going, if they were going, if their agents have said, no, they they want to move on, surely you'll use this window Mm. to recuperate money. Yeah, and that's what Abby Markham has said as well about the concern yeah. about losing players, and you know there is a there is a big concern, especially with our form at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's not just not just losing players; we're not getting money. I, I'm all for this is the model that mm. you sell on players for good money, and if they've made it clear, their agents have made it clear we're not staying, then then we should be looking to capitalise on it and then reinvest it. That is how Brighton have got to where they are, yeah. along with. You know their fan base fighting for their club. Um, we don't. Again, we don't do that. We let players go. And what we bought last last wind, uh, the you know last season, for all the best will in the world, we're not going to be making any money no. on Keith Moore. But we spent ten million pounds because we did mm. for reasons on, and, and it didn't even fit into the squad and how we play. So, um, how long is it? Is is Phil Billing going to hand in these transfer notice? Where's the future with Dom? Where's the future? These are you know, mm. Meppen's not not old. He's a young, upcoming central defender. He's had a more than a gutful of being abused. Why wouldn't he just say, "I'm sorry, I'm out"? There does seem to be a disconnect. You were talking about walking through through the high street in Boscombe yeah you wouldn't know but there's a disconnect with the manager of the fan and we I hate to keep harping on about it 
talking about Eddie, but he had that. This next game against Newcastle, oh, mate. I'm I, I'm dreading it. It's going to be an mm. emotional roller coaster for many fans who never got to say goodbye. Yeah. It's their first chance to greet him again, who's manager of a club now that are probably punching above the weight of players that they've got on the pitch, really. They've got all this financial muscle in the background, we know, but really the purchases that they've got have been very astute. And yeah. he's now guiding them to perhaps a top four place. We're, we're, and a trophy, maybe. And a trophy. <laughs> yeah. We're seeing what you know what we could have had. And of course, we did have that for a bit. He had that relationship with the fans. I'm not sure that any manager since him has had that. No, I think, um, yeah, no, for sure. And it's going to be, obviously, it's re- you don't want to keep mentioning it, but it's even more relevant now that we've got them at the weekend. Um, and it's probably is going to be the first time in history that an opposition manager has loved more than the current manager. Um, I've seen a lot of things online, which I understand people going, oh, we can't sing his name, you know, we've got a game to win. We've been getting behind the lads. We were all clapping them off at the weekend, by the way, when we lost again without really testing the goalkeeper. We've been clapping them. We were singing Gary O'Neill's name, remember, which mm. got him the job. Um, how's how's that done? Mm. How's that done for us? What would you, are you telling me that you don't think uh, if, if the players are affected because I decide to sing Eddie Howe's name, mm. if that costs them winning the football match, then what the hell are? They? Do you know what I mean? Like, we ain't gonna win anyway. I'm not being funny. I, if if you you said it to me when we were, we were speaking. Um, Arsenal still sing Arsene Wenger. Man United still talk about Alex, Alex Ferguson. Ferguson. Liverpool yeah, fans you know, talk about Shankly. And, and they, would, they, they would do it if they were there. Forrest yeah. talk about Clough. Yeah. yeah. And you, you telling me that the, the only reason we're in this amazing position of talking about the amount of money we spent in January and talking about the fact that we're being in the top two leagues of the last decade is because of Eddie Howe. Mm. Are you telling me I'm not going to, I'm 100% going to be yeah, cheering? I couldn't care, whether it's before, whether it's during, whether it's after, I'll be doing it. And I, and I believe it's the first time he's set foot back in Dean mm. Court yeah, well, since he's left. Yeah, and if, 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 and peop, if people honestly think that that's going to affect, I'll, I'm still going to get behind the boys. Of course we are. I'm not going to do it, you know what I mean? But if you're telling me that's going to affect the performance, you're having a laugh, we haven't, we've scored one goal since the break, that ain't going to affect anything. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it will be weird because you'll be played them away from home but we haven't had you know there's obviously such a distance we haven't had that many fans so um never really got to say goodbye we'll get a good reception obviously it'll be obviously you want it to be more before and after a game you don't want it to be loads during mm. i'm sure we'll ryan fraser was on the bench by the way yeah. so i'm sure we'll, we'll make sure he's welcome when he's warming up of course but it is going to be really weird mate it's going to be really weird and it's kind of um weirdly fitting that what's going on at the moment mm. on the pitch with the fan base and with the the manager that we've got our hero mm. coming back it's just madness and it? it's um it's going to be very peculiar game. It's on telly for everyone to see as well. It's going to be odd, but my, my concern, obviously, first and foremost, is I want to get get some points. And my concern is that the way Newcastle, the the intensity that they bring, and from the from the first whistle, we could be two 0 down inside ten minutes. It could get really really nasty in there. But there's an astute guy, and don't forget, all our ex coaches are coming back, and some of them will be relishing this game. Let's not forget, we were quite quick to pan them as well, so they've got a point to prove. But there's an astute guy that took a time out. When everyone's saying, you've got to take the Celtic job, you've got to take this job, he took time out. I would imagine he's learnt a smuttering of Spanish, and he's sitting there with one of the best managers in European football, Simeone, learning about football, and has and has the humbleness to do that and adapt. He's a infinitely better manager now with the style of football he plays, the balance between defence and attack, and it's intense, and 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 he he he's gone to the next level, yeah. and he would never and and he had to leave us in order to do that, um, because we weren't prepared, or not we as in the fan base, but people, the decision makers were not prepared to invest where he wanted it. The first thing Newcastle did wasn't buy a player. They invested off pitch. We've got to improve the the environment on which these players work in. Mm. That was the first insistence Eddie Howe said. That's got to happen mm. because the players have got to enjoy wanting to play here and the fans have got to enjoy wanting to come here. Mm. That's what they've done and that's what all these smart managers are doing. You know, we live... Game in, game out. The crisis at Man City. Oh, I mean, what a crisis to be in. Mm, You're second, and you've got Feel one for of them. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in tears for them. I fear for them all the time. But all these top level managers, it's all about the environment you create. In the, the you have one style of play that you're coaching and you drilling, and we're just we're just so far away from that. We're yeah. just all over the place, mate. 
Definitely. It's more than just what's on the football pitch, sadly. And that's what's what's concerning. Yeah. That's what's concerning. Yeah. So, we've got about 10 minutes left. Yeah. We'll talk about potential new names. Any, any sprint oh, what, to you, mind? You're talking about managers? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, God. We've missed a boat on a few, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> well, look, I mean, Jesus you know, Jesse Marsh, American. No, no, thank Brash. Bill Foley. Uh, you know, no, maybe not. Uh, Ralph Harsenhutl. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He's not no. bad manager. Um, he knows the area relatively. Yeah, I think it's I think it's difficult now to get anyone in at this stage. I think it depends what you what you what you're asking me. If you're asking for a more of a, a long term thinking of kind of going forward and whatever league we're in, you know, a style of football, a philosophy, who's gonna mm. you know get get the players working and have a, a plan going forward, then you maybe look at you maybe look at Ralph. You maybe go down to you know uh, Robins of Coventry. These sort of names. If you're going. No, just stay in the Premier League. Then you would have got Sean Dyche. You would have. So have I mean a few people have asked us this. Matt has as well. Ha- have we accepted relegation? I have. Uh, I have as well. I accepted it last season. Mm. Yeah, you you did always like. Well, yeah. I, I I I saw. I, to be honest, I did. But it's the manner of what's happening this yeah. season that makes me really, really irate. Uh, to 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 be honest, I I I, I felt kind of sad. That I, I I went to Bristol City and we we won. We were actually cruising at one point, but I came back into it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at this team, and and I'm assuming that this is the team that's going to take us in, be the first team in the in the new season. I'm thinking we're so far off it. Mm. We I I think last January. I just looked at the transfer dealings and I'm thinking, there's no structure here, there's no planning, there's nothing like that. So whilst I was pleased for the night that we won promotion, I think that was a a tiny little plaster over a massive crack. Mm. And what has surprised me is how quickly it became undone. Yeah. But I, um, and how quickly it's escalated. But uh, no, I resigned myself last season that that um, that I didn't think I think it was always mission impossible. But a lot of fans at the time were saying, "Well, it doesn't matter if we get relegated. It does now." Yeah, no, because there there are awful lot of fans that were saying, "Don't matter, we will get the money." Now sugar daddy's come along. Now all of a sudden we've got to we've got to win it. We've got to win it. And our purchases pro- surely put more. Uh, scrutiny on financial fair play in terms yeah. of if we do get relegated, not yeah, as sure. much income going through the door. Uh, also, the value of players naturally decreases when yeah. they become championship players. Just said we're probably going to lose free for for nothing. I and I, I think you were kind of saying it there, Sam. It was we're obviously we're not stupid. We knew it'd be difficult this season. Mm. We knew it'd be difficult. It's the fact that I don't think we give ourselves a fighting chance mm. because of the decisions we made and the, the lack of plan and lack of structure, lack of anything. I don't think we've given ourselves a, a fighting chance to, to stay in this division. Um, and it's really frustrating. And all we've done is splash a bit of cash in January. But, you know, that's, that's not the, you know, you don't have a divine right to just splash the money at players that have never played in the league and just stay up. Um, and I think, obviously... Everton and not doing that and getting a manager has, has, has proven that very very quickly but yeah I, I always knew we'd struggle I always thought we would probably mm. be it would be very difficult to stay out of that bottom three but the way we've gone about it is not acceptable in my opinion we've not given these young lads a chance we 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 didn't coach them properly last season clearly shown this season um, we have we have bought in players and and literally stalled their careers you feel for someone like uh, uh, maybe not Laird but McCondes mm. what what did we get him in him for that's not that lad's fault that's our fault good day at the Oval though wasn't it yeah, what, a <laughs> day. what a day we've got many more questions we've got fly through haven't we yeah, yeah. we've um, we have got a few yeah so what what type of manager what type of manager do you want? So let's mm. let's say we do get relegated. Okay. And are you? So it, is your heart saying that you would like any managerial change to be done in the summer, or do you rather it be done now, or, or what? But we're not going to attract the caliber of manager now that we might in the summer. Yeah. We want to. I suppose what we want is for to get a, have a new manager in the summer, but to, to have these little leaks to our trusted press sources that there is this kind of activity Something's happening. happening yeah. Of course the club aren't going to say it themselves but because mm. it undermines Gary a little bit but um, it would be good to know that there is something going on. Yeah I think if, if you got a um, I was never I was never convinced on Scott Parker but the reason I kind of understood it and kind of got behind it was because I thought they've obviously sought this guy out 
because they, it's been rumoured for ages yeah. on Scott Park. So there's a plan there. Mm. What happened, I don't know. But so if we were to get a manager in that you think, no, we've been behind the scenes trying to do this, you know, we get a guy in and they they say, well, we've been, this has been in the works for for years, but I said I'm not coming into the end of the season. Then just to see that we're going somewhere, really, I don't, I, but I don't see that. In terms of an actual, it depends what you want. If you want to stay in the league, you get you get an experienced manager like a, a Sean Dyche, obviously, to, to try and make you hard to beat and try and um, get the basics right. Um, if we were to go down and we want to progress going forward, then then I think you just you look at the players and you want to get the best out of them. But you've you've got to look at there's a lot of good young managers in the championship that potentially um, could could progress us further, and you can see some sort of plan. But as I say, Matt, I just want to see a manager come in and go, why have we got this guy? Why have we got him? And go, okay, I understand that. I see the thinking. Let's 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 trust in that, but um, it doesn't feel like that at all. We've just found Gary O'Neill and gone, oh, we'll just give him the job. Oh, he's beat Everton. Oh God, yeah, let's give him the job. He's cheap, and there's no there's no plan. And uh, I just want to see a plan, mate. If mm. if I was sitting in Bill Foley's seat, there'd be two questions I'm asking. First of all, what sort of football do I want to see? Mm. Because that's got to align yeah. with how we're going to play. It's no use getting Sean Dyche and then saying, oh, I want to play through the thirds because that ain't gonna, yeah. that's not. All goes back to that plan again, doesn't it? It's yeah, got to be a plan, plan of what your philosophy is going to be. But then we come to the fundamental question. I think I raised it a, a, a few... Well, the big podcast when Jason was appointed, we need a director of football to, ha- to, to, to actually provide a strategy. Mm. Before we even appoint a manager, we've got... I'm not saying we need to get rid of Blake and Hughes, but we need someone in that position... Make football decisions. Making... Financial decisions with football in mind, yeah. and that's it. Because you could appoint whoever you want if you haven't got that guy who says, who goes to Mr. Foley, What do you want to play? Oh, I want to play like Man City. It could be as vague as that. Hmm. Right. I'll, we'll get, we'll source the coaches, we'll source the, the players within our budget, within reason. If, you, if you're appointing someone who is going, you're expecting to play. I don't know, like uh, Barcelona, and he ends up playing like Stoke. <laughs> it ain't going to work, is mm. it? So, before we even talk about a manager, yeah. we need to actually have, as I say, a sporting director, a director of football, and actually act like a modern club because this is what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And Dan Ashworth, you see the work he's doing at uh, at Newcastle. You see the the guys at Brentford. You see the guys at Brighton. They're thinking they're playing chess. We're playing checkers. Mm. Very good. good it's all right, isn't it? I like the analogy of like you know, Eddie Howe was like the super glue. Mm. Scott yeah. Parker was like the PVA glue. Pritch oh. Gary O'Neill was like the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's not a bad one. That's oh, bad it's one. a shame. But you know what? Um, we've got to get behind the boys yeah. on Saturday. But the, the, it could it could turn toxic. It's going to be so, so strange. And here at Back of the Net, we'll be covering it. Tom's got the... Uh, Difficult job of talking about it on a on a wider scale on YouTube coming very soon. We'll post the link on our socials as he chats with other fans about our situation. Maybe mm. Leeds fans are going to be slightly buoyant. There's some decisive action there. Will Foley and co be decisive about O'Neill one way or the other? Judging by what people were saying, I think the inside ACB account on Instagram or whatever or Twitter, 97%. When I'm gone, which is you know a staggering amount. Mm. Like every week that goes by, yeah. it's getting higher and higher. Interesting, you know, what part does he play on the AFC Bournemouth tube history map? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, someone's got to win it, and we drew it earlier. You can see us when we were drawing it online. The winner is AFCB fan Peter. That's the Twitter handle, Peter. Well done. Well done. Peter. We will be in contact with you on DM. And um, we'll find out where it is. Either we'll, we'll give it to you again. We'll post it off to you. Congratulations. Well done on that. Um, Keithy T. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to have you on, sir. It's been absolutely superb to shoot the shit. It's been great. Yeah. There, Dunkerville, as they say in uh, other places. And uh, yeah. But just remember, Gary's a symptom, not the cause. Yeah. Tom, it's been excellent. Well, I think. Cheers. <laughs> loved it <laughs> thank you very much for watching or listening remember if you're listening on the audio pod this is available to watch on youtube and stay tuned to the youtube channel throughout the week loads of content building up to that reunion with the legend the messiah that is simon weatherston no of course we're talking about eddie jason and co looking forward to it see you then up the chairs up the chairs
Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.